if you uh, come to that time in your life where you're trying to share probably the most important things that you could pass on to your children or your grandchildren, uh, you gathered them together or you wrote them a letter, what would you put in that letter? What would you share with them? What would be the, the things that you would want them to know? I'm sure there's a whole bunch of things you would want them to know. Uh, that's kind of what we're going to look at this weekend because we're going to look at the Apostle Paul as he gives his last words to his young protege, Timothy. And he's going to tell Timothy a couple of really important things. Uh, he's going to encourage Timothy in a way that Timothy needs to be encouraged. And we're going to hear what Paul has to say. And essentially, what Paul has to say to Timothy has an incredible application to us today. And that's kind of what we want to look at. Uh, we've been moving through the Bible this year. We're coming to, we're going to be in the last book that Paul wrote, probably, Second Timothy. And so we're coming to the end of our, our voyage this year as we move through the Scripture. Uh, let me just give you a little background about the Bible, and you may already know this, maybe you don't, maybe you do, but it's always good to refresh and, and to know this about the Bible. The Bible, think of it not as a book, but as a, a folder or a binder with books. And there are 66 books, there are 39 books in the Old Testament, and 27 books in the New Testament. The books were written over a course of 1,500 years by 40 authors. The Old Testament was primarily written in Hebrew. There's a small portion that's written in Aramaic. Uh, and then in the New Testament, the, uh, the Greek, it's written in Koine Greek, which was the, the uh, common language, uh, trade language of that, of that day. The authors were rich, or po rich and poor. They were young and old. They were highly educated and uneducated. Some of them were single. Some of them were married. So I want you to turn this weekend to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10, because that's where we're going to be this weekend. Uh, but before 1200, I couldn't give you that, those chapter and verses. Because before 1200, there were no chapters in our Bible. And before 1500, the Bible that we have right now didn't have any verses. Um, it's only been about the last 600 years that I could say to you, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 10. John Wycliffe uh, in uh, 1382 attempted to translate the Bible from Latin into English. And he was fiercely opposed and he never got his translation published. Before he could do so, he was burned alive. Uh, William Tyndale was the first one to publish an English copy of the Bible in 1530. And he was executed by strangling and burnt at the stake for his efforts. It was a different time indeed. Today, there's over 6,800 languages in this world that we live in. About 2,000 languages have yet to have a portion of the Bible translated in their own mother tongue. About only 518 language groups have the whole Bible. Only 518 have the whole Bible translated in their own mother tongue out of 6,800. Uh, so that's very, uh, very telling as to uh, what we have. We have an incredible honor and a privilege as we study this English Bible, because English is our mother tongue, and we understand it, and we understand the nuances and things along those lines. So we've been blessed not only with 
a current modern translation, but multiple translations. (laughs) We have multiple English translations. If you looked at uh, a Christian catalog sometime or go on Amazon and do Bible, and there's hundreds and thousands of different kinds of Bibles, and we have study Bibles. Others don't have the same privilege that we enjoy. And I'm not really here this weekend to make you feel guilty, to make you feel bad, but what I am saying is we have been given uh, an incredible tool, an incredible opportunity to read the Word of God in our mother tongue that many people around the world, most people around the world, don't have. So we ought to take advantage of it. So this weekend, as we look at God's Word, let's even, let's treasure the opportunity we have. Let's make the most of the opportunity we have because I, I think it may be that one day that we're going to be held accountable. <laughs> There's other people that, will, that could be honestly say, I didn't know, <laughs> but we have God's Word uh, before us. And so that's what we want to look at this, this weekend. Now, 2 Timothy, let me give you the context. 2 Timothy, Paul is in a Roman prison, uh, a cold prison evidently because he asked uh, for his coat at one point. Uh, there's no electricity, obviously. It's cold, it's damp, it's uncomfortable. There's no restrooms, there's no... Uh, he is uh, freezing. Probably, this, as I said, was Paul's final letter. Uh, Paul is... Uh, we, we think, and, and tradition has it, that shortly after Paul wrote Second Timothy, he was probably beheaded by Nero. Uh, and uh, so he's writing to young Timothy... And he writes young Timothy for a number of reasons because Timothy is he's probably in his late 20s, early 30s. But he's, he's uh, Paul is encouraging him and he's telling him a couple of things that are going to happen. And he wants him to be aware of it so he's not surprised by it. But he's going to tell him about the incredible tool that he's going to give him. So that's what we want to look at. I think Paul is giving T- Timothy some heartfelt words but some really wise and prudent instructions. So let's look at that. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10. But you, Timothy, certainly know what I teach and how I live and what my purpose in life is. You know my faith, my patience, my love, and my endurance. You know how much persecution and suffering I have endured. You know, about all, you, you know all about how I was persecuted in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, But the Lord rescued me from all of it. Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil people and and imposters will flourish. They will deceive others, and they will deceive themselves. They themselves will be deceived. But you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they are true. For you know that you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood. And they have been given, uh, they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. And in verse 16, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach what is, what is true and, and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So Paul charges Timothy, and he says a couple of really important things here. And then he gives us, he gives us, and he gives Timothy some instruction as to why the Word of God is so critical in, in this day and age, and in, it's certainly in Paul, or Timothy's day and age. The first thing he says this is this. If you love Jesus, if you love him, you will be persecuted. Persecution isn't an option 
It's part of the game. If you want to live a godly life in Jesus, you're going to face persecution. In fact, he promises it, it is a fact. Um, how many of you, raise your hand, have you made that your life verse? <laughs> if you love Jesus, you'll face persecution. Well, you may be a downer, and that may be your life verse, but hopefully it's not. Um, but if you love Jesus, and if you walk with him, you, you're going to, and you try to live a good, God life, you will face opposition. Now, how does that look for us in America today? Well, probably uh, there will people, uh, people won't like what you, what you, they won't like you, they won't like how you live. Uh, they will be put off. You'll face resistance. But it, it may be something like a loss of promotion at work because you don't cook the books or you don't do the things that you're told to do that, are, that you find a little sketchy and the Word of God says you shouldn't do that. So you may be passed over for promotion. You may be rejected by family members. Some of you I know have come and talked to me about how your family thinks that you're, 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 you're part of a cult because you attend Hope Church. By the way, we are not a cult. Um, just want to go, go down on the record for that. But, you know, you have been rejected by family members. Jesus said that was going to happen. You may be mocked by your friends. They may think you're just, you're, you're just all messed up. I mean, just live. Why, why are you so, you know, straight and crazy? And, you know, so this is part of it. But you know what? There are people around the world, our brothers and sisters, that go through real persecution. Like, for instance, I was just looking quickly, and I mean, you don't have to look very long. November 17th, there was a seven-year-old uh, boy. He was, uh, uh, he was the son of a Christian man in India, and he went missing. He was walking to Sunday school one day, and after filing a missing persons report, the fer- parents discovered the body of their son in a, near, in a nearby hospital. And according to the aut- autopsy, the young boy, again, he was a seven-year-old boy, he was severely tortured, and he was drowned in a pond. And his parents had received threatening uh, threats that, uh, that, that, that uh, they, were going to get, they were going to get in trouble because they were Christians. Now, I could go on and on and on, and we don't have time to do that. But I just want to say, there are, there are Christians around the world that are suffering, that are really suffering. But they, it, it just basically the first thing that Paul says to Timothy. Timothy, if you live... If you live your life according to this book, if you live your life and you love Jesus, if you try to live a life that's pleasing to God, you're going to face persecution. It's it's part of life. And I just want to say one really quick thing, because there's some people and some teachers out there that say, well, the church is never going to go through persecution, ultimate persecution. I just want to say, be really careful about that, because if we do do go through increased, uh, sustained, epic persecution here in America... I wonder how many people are going to say, well, that's it. I guess Jesus wasn't right, and it has nothing to do with Jesus. It may be that the church will go through severe persecution. So be very careful about making those predictions, because Jesus said that if you love him and if you follow him, you will be persecuted. There will be persecution. So um, let's just be very careful that we don't set ourselves up for for this uh, idea that that there, there won't be any persecution down the road. We don't know what the future holds. Uh, so that's the first thing. He tells, he tells Timothy, he says, Timothy, listen, I was persecuted. <laughs> You're going to be persecuted. Jesus was persecuted. It's part of our lot. That's just, that's just the way it is. The second thing he says is this. If you're not careful, you, you can be deceived. Paul says there's a whole bunch of evil people. They're imposters. Um, and they're going to come, evil people. And, and uh, they, they're going to 
uh, impersonate. They're going to look very close to the real thing, but they're going to teach false doctrine. And they're going to believe false doctrine. Paul is referring to cults and other religions. Um, he, he is, these are people who, who claim the name of Jesus, but don't worship uh, the one God. They don't, wor- they don't believe that Jesus is the eternal one, that he's the son of God, that he is God. And, and they say, well, he's, he's a God or something like that. They reject the Trinity or the deity of Christ. And uh, Jesus, Judas was a classic imposter. He was one of the 12. And even the 12 didn't know that he wasn't really one of the... You know, he, he was a betrayer of Jesus. And Jesus said in the last days, and I believe we're in the last days, whatever that means and however long it lasts, I think we're in the last days. And he says there'll be sheep and goats. He said there'll be wheat and tares. He said there'll be real and false followers of Jesus. And, and I believe these impersonators and these imposters, these false teachers are sincere people. I, I think they're sincerely deceived. I think they certainly believe what they teach, but I think it's wrong. And I think it goes counter to what the Word of God says. And they generally will have another book that helps them interpret this book. They'll always have another book that they go to. And, and that's where you get into trouble. You know, you can be very, very sincere. You can believe it with all your heart, but if you're sincerely wrong... You're still wrong. I believe there's a number of sincere people that come to Jesus on the last day. And this is what they said, Matthew chapter 7, verse 22. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and perform many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. I don't think most of these people were sincere. I think most of these people were deceived. And I think most of these people are going to be shocked when they understand that they've, they've fallen and they believed a lie. Paul is saying there's two kinds of people. There's those who live for, in Christ Jesus and desire to live godly, obedient lives. And then there's evil people who are imposters pretending to be Christians whose lives are filled with self-deception. And Paul warns us, be careful or we'll be deceived. Now, he's setting timothy up because he's saying timothy here's the problem if you live for jesus there's going to be persecution and you have to navigate the waters of false teaching now how do you do that and he's going to tell us through the word of god what does the word of god do the word of god encourages us when we're being persecuted we go to the word of god and we see others were persecuted we see jesus was persecuted we see the hope that we have so we can endure persecution because we know that we have a hope Secondly, when we see false teaching, we can go to the real thing and we can find out what's counterfeit and what's true. You don't learn counterfeit by studying all the counterfeits. You learn counterfeit by knowing the truth and comparing the counterfeit with the truth. And then you'll know. And if you've ever heard anybody start, you know, spewing out some kind of doctrine or something, you go, that doesn't sound right to me. It doesn't seem like it squares with Scripture. What you're just saying is, I know the true, and the true doesn't square with what you're saying. And, I, and when push comes to shove, I'm going here. I'm going here. I'm trusting this. So that's uh, what he's going to say. And that's the third point, and it is this. If you stick with the Scriptures, you won't be deceived. And not only will you not be deceived, you'll be encouraged. You'll have hope, even in the midst of terrible persecution. Now, Paul's going to say something really important to Timothy. He says, Timothy, and he says this over and over. He says, Timothy, preach the word. Preach the word. Preach the word. But he also says this in 2 Timothy 2. Look at what he says in verse 1. Timothy, my dear son, be strong 
uh, through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. You've heard me teach teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. So what he's saying here is very important. He's saying that we... We're one generation away from extinction in Christianity. We're one generation away. And if we're not teaching our children the Word of God, Paul, Paul's saying, Timothy, Timothy, the things that I've taught you from the Scriptures, you teach to faithful men so that they can teach them to faithful men and women. In other words, he's saying, pass it on. Pass the word, preach the Word and pass it on. And so I want to just challenge you. And, and you, if you're a parent or even a grandparent, I want to ask you, Think about this. Who do you think taught Timothy? Well, Paul tells us. Ta- Paul tells us in 1 Timothy 1.5. He says, I have seen uh, in you a very sincere faith, Timothy, my dear friend, that first lived in your mother and your grandmother. So Timothy sat at the feet of his mother and his grandmother, and he was tutored the Word of God. He was given the Word of God. Now, Paul, all Paul's doing now as he gives his last words to Timothy, he's just saying, Timothy, you heard this from the beginning, from your mother and from your grandmother, and from me, and I passed it on to you too. I confirmed it with you. Now, what you have to do is you can't keep it to yourself. You can't be the end of it. You have to pass it on to others so that they will know and that they can pass it on to others. And so Timothy's Theological education began at the lap of his mother and his grandmother. And a child can very early on learn tremendous amount. Uh, they're like sponges. Uh, even before they're old enough to read, they can learn. Uh, you can read to your kids. You can, you know, they always say read to your children. And I think that's really important too. Well, what are you reading to your children? I mean, it's great that you're reading them bedtime stories and all that stuff. But are you reading them any of the scriptures? Are they hearing any of the scriptures? Is that, is that taking place? Here's what I've seen. Now, here's where you can disagree with me, all right? Up to this point, you can't disagree with me, but up to, <laughs> you can't hear. As parents, I, I think we tend to put a lot of time and energy in our kids. We want them to be what? We want them to be well-educated. When our kids, when our kids get up and they say, I don't want to go to school anymore, we go tough you're going to school it's not an option right <laughs> we are certain, we say i don't want to brush my teeth or take baths anymore you go tough we have to live with you you will when you live in your own house you can not take baths or brush your teeth anymore if you don't want to but you have to now you know there's certain things we say hygiene is a good thing uh we we think uh going to school and getting an education is a good thing we say we, we want them to have good friends. We want them to develop healthy relationships with us and with their friends and their peers. We think that's important. And we say, well, you know what? It's probably a good idea for you to get involved in some extracurricular activities. So maybe you want to get involved in arts and, and plays and drama and different things like our music or play an instrument. Or maybe you want to get involved in sports and learn team dynamics or whatever great you know and parents spend a lot of time and energy driving their kids to all these extracurricular activities nothing wrong with them i am absolutely stunned at how many parents spend zero time developing them spiritually i'm 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 stunned at how many parents have had don't take time to talk to them about the word and read it to them when they're young and talk to them about it as they get older 
and challenge them to read it themselves. I am stunned by that. Why? Because what does the Bible do? The Bible shows you good thoughts from bad thoughts. Good doctrine from bad doctrine. It shows you how to live a moral life. It challenges, it changes your heart. It can change your attitude. It can, it can help you to have hope. It can do so many incredible things. The world, the educational system, extracurricular activities can help you become a great person, a moral person, a good social person. But only the Scriptures can speak to the deepest needs of a child's heart and a person's heart. And so I am amazed that we, we are so lackluster in that. And by the way, please don't think that because your kid, your child, your beloved little one is coming to hope on a regular basis, which may be once or twice a month or three times a month, and they're, or they're coming to a weekly program, that, that's it. Yeah, I'm done. No, no. This said that Timothy sat. He sat at his mother and grandmother's seat, feet and he learned the Scriptures from a very young age. I just am concerned, parents, grandparents, you have an opportunity, grandparents, to sit down and to make sure that the seeds are being planted because these are going to be really important later on in the child's life. This is about life and death. This is about who God is and who Jesus is and, 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 and their self-image and so many other things. It's, just, it's so critical that you spend time and you do this. Now, Paul's saying something really incredible in verses uh, 15 on. He's, he's not only taking Timothy back to his early roots, but he's saying, Timothy, in, in essence, if there's one last thing that I could leave you, if there's one last thought that I could give you is understand what this book is. Understand what it is. And he says this in verse 16. All Scripture is inspired by God. Now, let's just stop there with this word inspired by God because it's a really important word. And some of your translations may say, God breathed, and it's like, when you think of breathing, you think of taking air in, right? And you inhale air, but when you speak, what do you do? You exhale. You can't speak if you don't have air in your lungs. And so essentially what Paul is saying here is that God exhaled his word. He spoke his word. That inspiration isn't like what we think today, like when you say, well, why did you write the book? Well, I was inspired by watching this or seeing this or... That's not what he's talking about. That's an idea of inspiration, but that's not what he's talking about. What he's talking about is that God actually literally breathed it out. He spoke it out. It, it, it has come directly from God. Now, it comes out from God through the personalities and through the vocabulary and through the writings of people like Paul and Peter and Matt, Matthew and, and, and Moses. It comes out through all of those different people. Paul is saying something really important. He's saying, number one, that Scripture isn't just from God. It is God expelled. It is, it is given out by God. It's literally God exhaled. But the second thing he's saying is this. 
He's saying the scriptures can show us because it's from God, because it comes from God. He says it can do four things for you. Here's the four things. And these aren't in your notes. You might want to write it down. He says this. The scriptures can show us what is right. You say, well, what's the right thing? Well, scripture can show you many times what is right. Secondly, the scripture can show you what is wrong. It's important to know what is right and wrong, right? It, one of the things you're trying to teach your children is what is right and wrong. Have you noticed that sometimes people don't have a clue about what is right and wrong? Kids don't have a clue? Have you noticed that, that, that kids are doing things today? And now I'm, sound, I'm starting to sound old, aren't I? <laughs> uh, but, and, and, and adults, you go, wait, don't you know right from wrong? And Paul's saying the scripture will show you right from wrong. But it not only shows you right from wrong, it shows you when you've done something wrong, how to get right. 1 John 1.9 says, when we confess our sins to God, He will forgive us our sins and cleanse us. Right there, John is saying, here's how you get right when you go wrong. When you go down the wrong path and you need to get right with God, here's how you do it. And then, so it shows you what is right, what is wrong, how to get right, and the last one is how to stay right. You know, you read through the Proverbs, the Proverbs basically say, don't go, don't run around with knuckleheads. Why? Because you'll turn into a knucklehead and you'll do stupid things. It's sometimes, it says, don't open your mouth and say things. Keep it shut, because when you keep it shut, you sound, you, 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 people think you're a genius. But you say a few words and they know you're a fool. So there's, There's some good, wise counsel Scripture can give you. Now, the only problem is we have to not just hear the counsel, we have to obey the counsel. (laughs) So that's that's where the the struggle comes in. Paul Paul says that the Word of God will show us what is right, what is wrong, how to get right, how to stay right. But he says it's all breathed by God. It's given to us by God, directly from God. And, And the writer of Psalms and... It says in Scripture that the Word of God is like gold and silver. It's more precious. David says it's more precious than gold and silver. He says it's sweeter than honey. It's sweeter than honey. David uh, likened the Word of God to, to honey. And what he was saying there is when my spirit... You know what does honey do when you're, when you're physically exhausted and tired? If you, if you eat honey, what will it do? It'll just jack you up. And maybe not for a very long period, but it'll jack you up, right? It'll give you, get, give you some energy. I guess that was the early energy drink or something or energy gel, whatever it was. Uh, but he's saying, David is saying, the Word of God is like that because when my spirits are down, when my, my heart is broken, when I go to the Word of God, it lifts my spirit, it lifts my heart. And, and so that's what the Word of God can do. Now, you, you know what? You have the privilege to hear the Word of God 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year, under any circumstance, for any purpose. It, it's like this. It's like you say, I wish I knew what to do here. And you open the word up and God is there to dialogue with you. I'm discouraged. And God says, 
don't be discouraged. Here's why. Uh, you have access to hear the word of God anytime you want. I mean, there are brothers and sisters around the world, they, they may have a portion of the New Testament, usually the Gospel of John is what they'll translate first, which is a great place to start. We, we have 66 books, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament, that are just waiting for us to hear the word of God anytime, any place. We have multiple translations. There's not, if you speak Spanish, if you speak French, if you speak German, uh, you know, whatever your mother tongue is in those major languages, you have the scripture. We in English not only have, we, we have the New American Standard, the NASB, the NLT, the King James Bible, if you like the old English. Uh, you have all these different scriptures. But this book, this book is God-breathed. No other book is God breathe. You know, here's what I want you to do. I want you to love this book. I want this book to be essential in your life. I want you to see what a privilege you've been given to have this book. And it's an opportunity that I think we're not taking, making the most of the opportunity to hear him speak to us. That's why we spent a whole year in this book. Because we believe here at Hope Church that we don't get instruction from councils. We get our instruction from the Word of God. Now, Paul is giving his last words. You won't hear any more from Paul from the New Testament. But he tells Timothy, Timothy Cherish this book. Study it. Reflect upon it. Obey it. Because it's from God. And Paul is telling us the same thing. He's saying you will, you will find yourself, if you love Jesus, under persecution. It's going to happen. But here's the good news. I'll encourage you. I'll give you hope. I'll walk with you when you go through the valley of the shadow of death. I'll be there. I'll be there. And uh, that's what he says. So let me ask you this, Christians. Are you treating this as God's book to you? I believe to much. Who have, we have been given much. Much will be expected. And then parents... Are you allowing this book? Because you know what? <laughs> this, this has to be a discipline that you're involved in. <laughs> and maybe you start it by just doing stuff with your kids. I don't really care. However you're in the Word, that's great. But parents, are you taking the Word of God? And are you allowing it to transform you? Because as it transforms you, you're going to be a better parent. You're going to be a better husband, a wife. You're going to be, if you, as a child, you're going to be a better child. You're going to be a better friend. That's what the Word of God can do. So we have an incredible gift. And Paul says to Timothy, he says this, he says, Timothy, you have an incredible, incredible tool. It's called the Word of God. And uh, when you go through persecution, it'll be there to encourage you. It'll be there to give you hope. It'll be there to lift you up. Uh, David, <laughs> when he was uh, hiding from 
the pursuit of Saul, cried out to God, and God lifted his spirits. But the word of God will also keep us safe from false teaching it will, because we'll know the truth. But also, the word of God will give us hope. We have an incredible resource. We have God's very words. May we make the most of them. I want to lead us in prayer. Let's uh, pray and thank God for this gift that he's given us. And so, Father, we do thank you because you have given us such an incredible, important, eternal gift because your word will last forever. Father, we have been given such a privilege and I don't, I'm almost assured that I know I will speak for myself that I am not making the most of the opportunity that I've been given. I think most of us would, would have to affirm the same. It's a, a privilege that we in America, English-speaking country, have incredible resources. There's no reason, there's no excuse and yet we have such a wonderful opportunity that we aren't making the most of. May we take time daily to reflect, to sit with you, to hear from you. And thank you, Father, for giving us your word. May we treasure it. May it be more precious to us than gold and silver and sweeter than honey. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.